answer to it is that Jesus healed everybody, and Jesus is God in the flesh. And so, you know, if, you can't tell me Jesus healed all because he was God, but God doesn't want to heal. <laughs> but even then, he didn't heal all because he was God. Philippians 2 says he gave up everything about himself that could be considered that, that God role. Uh, he, he didn't consider his equality with the Father something to be grasped, but he humbled himself, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself even to death, even death on a cross. This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and today I'm so excited to welcome missionary and evangelist Art Thomas. Art, are you there? Yeah. How are you doing today? Doing great, you? I'm doing really well, and I'm excited to talk about you. So you're the president and CEO of Wildfire Ministries International, and you're the producer and director of a new documentary called Paid in Full. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not super new. It came out in 2014, but we have been seeing it take off more and more as time goes on. And I know that a big focus of your ministry is teaching people to minister healing. Where did that particular passion come from for you? Well, I was kind of raised in a church that believed in it, um, but if I was really honest, the number of miracles I'd actually witnessed, I could count on one hand, and uh, I didn't even need all my fingers to do it. But uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I saw somebody die in our church of cancer, believing for healing, and it, it really pushed me. I was a, a young adult pastor, youth pastor at the time, and uh, struggling, like, God, what's the truth? So I started looking at scripture, looking at people who actually had results, and the Lord basically convinced me that uh, it was his will to heal, that it, it's, uh, it's something that is available, and it's something that every Christian can do. And uh, so I started teaching that in my youth group, saw a bunch of miracles happen. Uh, there was kind of an outpouring of miracles at our church over the next month, and then uh, from there, the rest has kind of been history. So I know that a lot of people have the mindset that they they can't perform miracles themselves. Like, that's only something that happened in the Bible. But I know your ministry is is a refutation to that. Can you you respond to that? Yeah, I think uh, for most people, the the push in their mind is that, you know, that was, that's something for, like, really famous people or some special person who's on a stage. And, uh, you know, I always thought that way, too. And... You know, I, I don't know. I had this pastor in my life, who uh, Dan Vandervelde, who was really, really good at getting my eyes open to the fact that the whole body of Christ has a role to play. And uh, and I started realizing the value of even the the quote unquote least significant person. And then I'm looking in John 14:12, and Jesus says that whoever believes in me will do the same things I've been doing. In fact, greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. And Mark 16, 17 through 18 is, you know, these signs accompany those who believe. So there were no disclaimers. There was no, like, you know, as if you're mature enough, if you've been doing this long enough, uh, if you're a good enough Christian. In fact, Peter, when uh, he healed the, the, or the, the paralytic, at the, the cripple at the temple gate, he was just like, why do you look at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? It's Jesus' name. It's the faith that comes through him that's made him well. So... I realized, you know, this isn't about being some special person other than when you know Jesus, that makes you special in this world. That makes you holy, which is, it just, holy means different and set apart and, and in a sense, special. 
So those of us who have been transformed by Jesus, those who are believers, uh, who believe in him, we qualify, and uh, it's available to all. I've, I've seen kids do this and uh, have 100% results with it, too. So you said, when you were talking about your background, you said you had seen someone pray for healing, not receive it, and that really that really impacted you. So oh, dude, that, that was my whole story. <laughs> my whole life was praying for people and not seeing anything happen. <laughs> so then, from that point of view then how what what turned the switch for you what enabled you to start seeing all these healings happen i know because i'm sure our listeners are like well how do i pray for healing so it actually works well there there were a few big major switches that went off in my mind the first one was when i realized it was always god's will to heal Uh, up until i was you know I, i think i was around 24 25 this was only 2009 and i'm 32 now and you know in in that season there I, I was, like, convinced sometimes God wants it, sometimes he doesn't. And then through this study of Scripture and bringing all my arguments, you know, what about Paul's thorn in the flesh? What about Jacob's limp? What about Paul leaving Trophimus sick in Miletus? What about the beggar at the temple gate that Jesus likely passed? What about the pool of Bethesda where he only healed one guy and not a lot of them? And I, like, I had a million questions. What about Job? What about this? What about that? And I brought them all to Scripture, and I realized that I didn't have to do a bunch of mental gymnastics to get myself around to this idea of God's will to heal, I actually realized I had been doing the mental gymnastics to convince myself it wasn't always God's will. I, I had to like go out of my way to make that work. So when I realized the faith value reading made it God's will, simplest answer to it is that Jesus healed everybody, and Jesus is God in the flesh. And so, you know, if you can't tell me Jesus healed all because he was God, but God doesn't want to heal. <laughs> but even then, he didn't heal all because he was God. Philippians 2 says he gave up everything about himself that could be considered that, that God role. Uh, he, he didn't consider his equality with the Father something to be grasped, but he humbled himself, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, found an appearance as a man, he humbled himself even to death, even death on a cross. And, you know, uh, Hebrews 2.17 says that he was fully human in every way. So, and then the big clincher here is Acts 10.38, where Peter's preaching to Cornelius' household, and he's like, you know, uh, Jesus, how, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with them. So it doesn't say he healed all because he was God. It says he healed all because God was with him. So I realized, like, okay, Jesus said, I didn't come to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And yet he didn't go around making people sick and giving people tumors and breaking kneecaps. And, you know, he actually went around healing everybody, which tells me that must be what God wants if Jesus only came to do the Father's will. The other aspect that, that triggered it for me was the atonement, that this was something Jesus had paid for with his blood, and he wouldn't pay for something he doesn't want. For example, uh, I think it's 1 John 2, 2 says that he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. So this is like, you know, he paid the price for everyone. doesn't mean everybody's saved, but it means everyone's paid for. Why? Because God wants it. Second uh, Peter 3, 9 says the Lord wills that none should perish and that all would come to repentance. So God's will is revealed through the price Jesus paid, and he paid for all to be saved, and the same exact blood was shed for healing. Um, when the paralyzed man was lowered through the roof, Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven, and then looks at everybody else and says, To prove to you I'm allowed to do that, get up, take your mat, and walk. 
if healing and forgiveness weren't based on the same thing, then that would not have been proof of his authority to forgive. So, you know, I started seeing all these patterns of, oh my goodness, like Jesus wants it, he paid for it. Those two things in themselves were the trigger that ignited me in, in starting healing ministry. And then from there, it's just been a learning process of trial and error. And, and you know, the Lord, it's kind of like when a dad runs alongside his, his kid, uh, you know, riding a two-wheeler for the first time. And he runs alongside you, but at some point he lets go and lets you see if you've got the balance yet. And I've, I've had moments where, you know, I'm having lots of results and then it stops. And it's kind of like God's let go of the bike and I'm, I've got to figure out, do I have my balance? And then he teaches me, here's where you went wrong. Here's the pride that was in your heart. Here's this or that. And then he gets back up and runs with me again and I start having results again. So another part of it has been trial and error and having that relationship with Jesus, learning to commune with him. Uh, learning to let him disciple me instead of just trying to listen to all these people who didn't have results. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say on that. So talking about the, the bike metaphor then. So what do you find are, in your experience, in your ministry, what have you found are some of the things that most commonly seem to make people fall off the bike that impede their ability to <laughs> oh, be yeah. an effective healing minister? Yeah, I think the, the biggest one, first and foremost, we are saved by grace through faith, according to Ephesians 2. Now, Colossians says, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so continue in him, strengthened in the faith. So the same way we came to him by grace through faith, everything else in the Christian life is by grace through faith. Paul's like, you know, why do you start with uh, grace and now you're trying to finish by the works of the flesh? So I, I realized it has to all come down to not my effort, all his effort. So what happens to a lot of us is, you know, we, we pray for someone to be healed, and nothing happens, and so the next time we try harder, and the next time we try harder and harder and harder, and by the time we get to the end of this, it's like we're dumping oil on their heads and, and shaking them and, and shouting and praying in tongues for a half hour and fasting for three days, and people still aren't getting healed, and uh, we're just kind of frustrated. Now, Paul says in Romans 12, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I realize the pattern of this world is to try harder. When things don't work, try harder. But the pattern of the kingdom, because it's by grace through faith, is to try less and trust more. So I've learned to put less effort in. If it hasn't happened yet, I need to try less and trust more, because that's, that's the only thing that's going to bring the results is trust. Another component of this is just taking Jesus at his word, and that's, that flows out of that trust. So Mark 16, he said, these signs will accompany those who believe, and the last sign on the list was they'll lay their hands on the sick and they'll recover. He didn't add anything to that. He didn't even say you have to say anything. So I found most healings that I see happen are when I am trying the absolute least. Like I'll just tap a person on the shoulder and ask them, how's that feel? <laughs> and some people are like, really, it's that simple? And I'm like, yeah, that's the whole point. We've been overcomplicating this thing for so long and, uh, and making it into this big show, when in reality, Jesus made it as simple as he could so that we would have to trust him, so that it would have to be by grace through faith, and it would help us to engage in that. Another component is Matthew 10:8, where Jesus said, heal the sick. He didn't tell us to ask his father to heal the sick. And most of my Christian life, that's what I did. I was asking God to heal the person in front of me when Jesus actually commissioned us to do it. Now, what throws people on that is, like, we know we don't have it in ourselves to do that. But we also don't have it in ourselves to love our enemy, for instance. Jesus said in John, I think it's 15, 5, he said, um, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
So, you know, I can't love my enemy apart from Jesus. In the same way, I can't heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, drive out demons apart from Jesus. So when he says any command, any command from Jesus, whatever it is, whether it's love your enemy or heal the sick, every command of Jesus is an invitation into relationship. So what I do now is instead of asking God to do what he told me to do, knowing I can't do it by myself, I can only do it in partnership with Jesus, I step out and do it proactively myself, which means I lay hands on the sick. Uh, you can also speak with authority if, if the Spirit's leading you to, to a condition. You're not commanding God to do anything. You're obeying God, submitting to God, and commanding the enemy or commanding the sickness. And even that, I tell people, listen, your, your authority is not based on the volume of your voice. Your authority is based on the fact that you're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. In Ephesians 2.6, it says, so, you know, you, you can just, with gentleness and humility and meekness and kindness and a smile on your face and your eyes open, you can just say, be healed in Jesus' name and lay hands on the sick and see stuff happen. So one thing that I was thinking about, just in terms of explaining through before that God, God's will is to heal people. So what happens at those times when you do pray for someone and you really are trying to heal them using all that you described and no healing seems to happen in them. Yep. Is that, yeah, there's, how, how there do you deal with that? components to that, yeah. So number one, there's only one place in the New Testament scripture, well, it's, I should say there's three places, but they're all one story, in three different gospels, the same story, where someone tried to minister healing in Jesus' name, and it didn't happen. And that was the epileptic boy. Jesus, Peter, James, and John are up on the mountain, the rest of the disciples are in the valley, they try to minister, nothing's happening. Jesus, Peter, James, and John come down from the mountain and find the people arguing among themselves. And Jesus is like, what are you arguing about? Because, you know, the, the thing is, whenever we have a lack of results, we produce arguments. We try to come up with some reason that will make us more comfortable with our lack of results instead of, you know, we'll blame the little epileptic boy, like, well, maybe he didn't have enough faith, or maybe he's got some hidden sin, or maybe it's his dad's fault, or maybe it's the atmosphere of unbelief. And we, we come up with all these reasons, but the problem is Jesus had 100% results, and you can't tell me that every single one of those people had perfect faith and, and that, you know, everything was, was working well in that setting, uh, that nobody doubted or anything like that. Like, that, that wouldn't be realistic. But he had 100% results, and if Jesus had 100% results, that tells me that uh, if the, how, how would I put it, if the sick person has to be any part of the equation, then Jesus could not have had 100% results. So what's he do? He says, you know, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I put up with you? In other words, he just recognized I'm in an atmosphere of unbelief. That's one of those excuses we like to use. And he says, bring the boy to me. And then he just says, come out of this boy, you impure spirit, and boom, it's done. It's over. So later the disciples come and ask him, why couldn't we do it? And in Matthew 17, his answer is, because you had so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be removed and thrown in the sea, and it would be done. In other words, the evidence of faith is the mountain moved. So what happens is a lot of times we confuse faith with expectancy or belief. But, I mean, belief and expectancy are based on information. Faith is based on relationship. Faith is relational trust, active trust in a person. I have faith in my wife. I trust her to be a good mother, and so I travel around the world and leave her home with the kids, and I don't wonder, am I, you know, are things going to fall apart at home? The evidence of my faith is my action, that I'm leaving home. 
Now, I could believe with all my heart that my wife's a good mom, but if I hover over her shoulder and micromanage everything she does with my kids, I'm not actually putting any faith in her. Despite what I believe, despite my expectancy, I'm not actually putting faith in her. The opposite can also be true, that if I feel like inside that my, faith, my wife will be a bad mom or, or ruin my kids, but I still go travel around leaving her with the kids, that's still an act of faith because I'm entrusting my children to her. So a lot of times what we do is we psychoanalyze ourselves and we, we put faith in our faith and we evaluate ourselves and our beliefs and our expectancy, and we're totally missing the point that we can just make an opportunity for Jesus to do something, and the very step of making that opportunity with no confidence in our own flesh but full confidence in him, that's faith. So one of the components is just taking enough responsibility. Like, if I lay hands on you and you don't get healed, I will look you in the eye and say, listen, if Jesus was standing here, you'd be whole right now. Instead, you got me, and I'm still learning to be like him. So now the other component is we have to realize it's not my role alone. If everybody can do this, then I'm not that person's last hope. That means, you know, they could get healed five seconds later by some other Christian who lays hands on them. Uh, so this, this is like... We have to realize this is the whole body of Christ. We all have a role to play in this. And I can't uh, go around thinking I'm the only hope for humanity. If I do, that's pride, and God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And if everything happens by grace through faith, then there has to be a measure of humility in my heart and an expectancy that it's going to be Jesus who does the work. That's a really great response. Thank, thank you for sharing on that. I, I was yeah. wondering then, do you have for our listeners any cool stories of some time where you saw a great miracle of healing? Oh, my goodness. I, you know, I'll tell you one that's in our movie. Um, there's this guy named Carlos. I was in Wichita, Kansas, and Carlos's friend brought him up to me and said, uh, can you pray for my friend? He's got hearing loss in his left ear. And I was like, okay, sure stuck my finger in his ear, open in Jesus' name. And I, I spent maybe three or four minutes with him. We cut it down for time in the film. But um, what happens is all of a sudden he starts to hear. And then afterward, I ask him, uh, so, so what was wrong with your ear? And he tells me, when I was two years old, my sister and I were playing doctor, or I think three years old, and she stuck him in the ear with a hairpin and ruptured the eardrum they took him to the hospital, emergency room, whatever, but the, the doctors surgically removed his eardrum. And this guy was like, I think he was 28 years old when we were praying for him. So from three years old to 28, for 25 years, he has had no eardrum physically in his ear. It was, it was amputated. It was surgically removed. And now he can hear. And uh, what's cool, what's not in the movie, is just maybe a year ago, Carlos messaged me on Facebook and said, you know what's crazy is every year at my work, I have to have my hearing tested. And uh, not only can I hear in that ear, but every year that ear tests better than the year before. So <laughs> not only did his ear open up, but God continued the healing process and even caused it to improve. So it's been, it's been a wild one. That's one of those that there's, there's no explanation for it. That's really cool. Uh, so if people want to look into the full movie or they want to find out more about your ministry, where can they go? Yeah, well, my ministry is artthomas.org. Um, the movie you can find either at paidinfullfilm.com or at supernaturaltruth.com. Uh, both of those will kind of take you to the same place. Paidinfullfilm.com will take you directly to that page. Um, but, yeah, we've got lots of stuff God's doing, and there's a lot of miracles and a lot of different healing ministers in that movie, all sharing not only, not only showing you what God's doing around the world, but also teaching you how to do the same things in Jesus' name. And that's artthomas.org for any listeners.
All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate talking to you. This yeah, has probably been too. this has probably been one of my favorite interviews to do. So, would you mind praying us out? Absolutely. God, thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for the truth of what you've done in your son Jesus. And right now, I just lift up any person out there who has some sort of physical ailment or infirmity or pain or disease, and I speak to their body right now in Jesus' name, be completely whole. Every sickness, every disease, get out and never return. Lord, I thank you for your love toward us, for your kindness toward us, and I pray that you would awaken your church to walk in the power and the love of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to Art Thomas on Charisma Connection here on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Green on the Charisma Podcast Network, and I want to speak to you on behalf of Evangel Christian Churches. And if you've ever had a desire to be trained, equipped, and credentialed as a chaplain, you may really want to listen to this message. It's probably now would be a great time to fulfill the call of God on your life. We're still early in the year. You can accomplish so much still in this year of 2016. Becoming a licensed minister will enable you to reach out at jail ministries, hospitals, nursing homes. Maybe you want to do street evangelism or teaching, traveling, going to across the world to minister. Women's Aglow would be good. Maybe even at anti-abortion facilities, counseling, traveling, whatever it is that you've got in your heart, there's no better place to be trained and equipped than Destiny School of Ministry Chaplaincy Training Institute. Let me say that again, the Destiny School of Ministry Chaplaincy Training Institute. They're going to offer you the opportunity to be trained and credentialed as a chaplain. It's always good to have official credentials. They have correspondence classes and extremely affordable tuition. They're licensed throughout the state of Michigan and fully accredited. You can call them now. They actually prefer you to call them. Their number is 586-773-6568. And one more time, 586-773-6568. The good thing about a podcast is you can back this up and listen to the phone number again. Their website is evangelchristianchurches.com. Check them out there or just call that number one more time. 586-773-6568 for the Chaplaincy Training Program. Get credentialed today. God bless you. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.